welcome to this episode of Somerset Emotional Wellbeing podcast. So this episode is Thinking Pit Stops, a tool for emotional well-being. I'm Dr. Sarah Coop and I'm a GP by background and work as a medical educator and coach. And I'm really delighted to have with me a friend of mine and also um, as a guest today. And I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, Sarah. I'm absolutely delighted to be doing this with you. Uh, I am Ivone, Ivone Marcaida. I work for uh, Somerset Talking Therapies and I am a high-intensity CBT therapist, uh, EMDR practitioner, and I've just been working on mental health for over 15 years. So here I am. Fantastic, Ivona. It's great to have you on the, on the episode. Now, how do we know each other? Let's just chat about how we how we got to know each other. And um, we haven't actually met in person. I'm calling you a friend because you've become a friend. But how do we know each other? Just tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yes, well, I got this one of those things in life. Uh, we had an opportunity um, to train in this tool uh, called Thinking Pit Stops. And I jumped to the opportunity and did a training. And our good friend, Andrew, <laughs> I think, gave each other the other one's name. We were both trained. And that's how we started. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, 18, 18 months ago or over a year ago. Yeah, exactly. So we both did this training. I, I can't remember if we were on the same training or different training sessions. But then afterwards, so Andrew, obviously one of the other co-hosts, um, who's really pioneered the Thinking Pit Stops, this tool being rolled out to to a lot of healthcare professionals across the Somerset region and I'm sure beyond. Um, he's worked with who has developed this Thinking Pit Stops tool. And we just to say that Thinking Pit Stops is a tool that has been developed, as I said, by who are based on Nancy Klein's work. So some of you might have heard of the book called Time to Think. Really recommend it if you haven't. Um, Nancy Klein's book. And it's all about creating a thinking environment. And one of the famous quotes from the book that's been so helpful for me is really simple, but it just says the quality of our listening directly affects them, the quality of someone else's thinking. And so the thinking pit stops were tools sort of based on that principle, but a way of creating some space to really listen well to someone so that then they can think well. So we were then paired up as thinking pit stop buddies, weren't we, by um, by Andrew. And we've met probably what, every fortnight or so for the last, what did you say, about 18 months? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, we meet for half an hour on the dot. We are very, very good with our timekeeping. And uh, we've been doing that yeah, every other week. Uh, and we continue to do it, and it continues to be one of the, one, I would say, one of the uh, most important parts of my life when it comes to 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 my own well-being. I really, really, I'm so grateful to you <laughs> that you're there for me, you know, every other week. Uh, it's been a blessing, a blessing. So let's just tell people who haven't heard of it without, we can't give it all away because you kind of have to do the training in some ways to, to do it. But let's just talk through what a typical session might look like. So, but do you want to kind of explain to people if, what, yeah. what it might look like? So we're saying it takes half an hour. What do we do in that half hour on, online? Yeah, I think, uh, and that's one of the beauties, I think, of the Thinking Pistop is that the process is extremely structured. Mm. So we'll start with a quick checking in our energy levels. Uh, and then we do a very quick body decompression just to get rid of excess adrenaline, to transition into the thinking pit stop. We might do star jumps or running on the spot for 10 seconds. We want to get that heart pumping. 
and there was some tapping on the body, and we look like uh, Olympic swimmers, you know, ready to. You know, with you might do. I'm not sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel I always feel like an Olympic swimmer with all the, the tapping, and then we do those lovely swings and the stretches, and all of that just takes a couple of minutes maximum. It doesn't take long at all, uh, and then we just do the core of the uh, of this very special space, which is an eight minutes of undivided, as you said, exquisite quality of attention, when one of us will be the, the holder of the thinking space and, and thinking environment, and the other will be the, the thinker. And then we swap, we swap places, don't we? But the, in, yeah, so, so that's basically it. And then after those eight minutes, uh, we just do another checking in, uh, going inwards and checking those energy levels, and and then we say goodbye until the until the next time. So yeah, it sounds so simple, and in many ways it is. I think that's one of the beauties of it, isn't it? So um, it's the pit stop is is thinking a bit like you know in a racing track, isn't it? A car just kind of coming in, having a quick check, um, making sure. You know, what's the oil level like? What's the tire pressure like? And so that's what we do at the beginning, isn't it? Just check in with each other. You know, what's our energy level like? You know, how much energy have we got? Like, what's that? What's going on for us? And in our self care, and sort of recording that on a on a sliding scale. And then, like I said, we do a bit of body decompression. So that's just getting our our sort of brains into our bodies, if that makes sense, isn't it? In many ways. And then the tapping as well just helps us. Um, I, I don't really understand the neuroscience behind that. Do you understand that? Well, I always say because of my EMDR training as well. Uh, say what EMDR stands for? EMDR, Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, which is a type of therapy that's coming quite quite strong at the moment. It's more of an experiential, uh, you know, experiential type of therapy. Um, and, um, yeah, what we do is we help the brain through bilateral movements, bilateral stimulation, we call it. Uh, help process trauma, trauma memories, trauma, traumatic memories. So again, so when we are swinging from side to side in the thinking pit stop, uh, or, or you know when we are tapping and we are using both uh, hands to tap on one side and the other side, uh, I think you create those links from left brain hemisphere to right brain hemisphere, and you are keeping that yeah sort of like. Yeah, helping the brain in a way and the nervous system to calm down and helping the brain to to yeah to to create connections. Um, yeah, yes. really important. That's my take on it. That's my 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 opinion. Humble yeah. opinion. That makes sense. And I think, yeah, it's not that we, we have to come with traumatic memories or anything, but it's just it, it taps into, literally the tapping taps into that, I suppose, that that type of therapy, doesn't it? And that's how that, I suppose, can work. And then there's also breathing decompression. So Andrew often talks on these podcasts about, you know, sitting with your feet flat on the floor and, you know, just sitting back in your chair and just taking those slow, deep breaths. And so we do several of those, don't we, of a way of just tapping into and parasympathetic nervous system to give us our unconscious mind this, this sense and the message that everything is safe and that um, we can get out of that adrenalized um, state that we often find ourselves in. And then, as you said, we hold this space for each other, don't we? So we keep a timer on eight minutes and we just ask a really simple question and we don't then interview each other, do we? What, so what's the difference? Because you're a therapist, obviously a psychotherapist, I'm a GP by background. What's the difference with a thinking pit stop to a normal type of brief therapeutic intervention? 
Yes, yes. So maybe the first thing to clarify is that the thinking pistol is not a therapeutic intervention. Mm-hmm. It's not therapy, you know. So, oh, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a tool. Uh, and one of I find two things that are extremely helpful. The first thing is oh, different from normal therapy, which is this is eight minutes on the dot. And the first thing that is uh, that uh, the environment allows is for the thinker to, in a quite open way, to just focus on the one thing that the thinker is going to focus on in those eight minutes. So I think that the the process of it, the process of coming and we have a million thoughts and we have a million problems and a trillion things are going wrong and we don't know. And it's just that that process of someone, you know, like allowing, you know, creating this space where you can actually say, okay, I can think about this, or I can think about this, or I can think about that, but what needs my attention right now? What aspect of my life, what issue, what symptom, what problem needs my attention right now? So I think that has been for me a practice, you know, like through the thinking pistol is something that I do now in my life when I when my brain goes into think about this, think about this, what's the problem? And the other problem, the other problem is like, what is the one thing I'm gonna focus on today? So amazing skill, amazing skill. Yeah. That's the beauty, isn't it? It really helps us as the thinker or the talker but you can actually in this sometimes when we've been having these pit, thinking pit stops I sometimes don't talk to you do I I just write down my thoughts or what you're doing is you're there on screen and you're just really holding the space and you don't interrupt so I think that's the thing you don't ask me questions to clarify anything you don't um ask me you know to explain it you just ask me one question that helps me to just this is what's on my mind and I just talk or I write and you do the same when I'm holding the space for you and it's yeah. And then and then if I get stuck or I come to the end of my sort of thinking train, mm-hmm. then, then what happens? Yeah. So that's why, yeah, that's the, the role of, um, uh, of the thinking body, isn't it? That they are there paying you their full attention. In this case, you know, you would be paying your full attention to me uh, with that promise of not interrupting me, not sharing your opinions with me. Not It's not about what you think about my thoughts. It's what I, I think about. My, my own thoughts and yeah and the other person is uh, for you uh, listening and if your thoughts again so in this uninterrupted space you allow I think this is really important to clarify as well that this is about you allowing to think about something until it ca- until that train of thought finishes mm-hmm. so when that happens, it's like, oh, well, I don't think I have anything to say about this anymore. You put your hand up and the, yeah, the thinking body can ask you a question to help you create more waves of thought mm-hmm. and to, if there is any, any, any more, to stimulate more thinking for yourself. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and again, the questions that we ask when we're, when we're the questioner, I suppose, or the holding the space it, are very, very simple. So it's not, to um yeah not to not in a, it, normally in a situation like that if I was coaching somebody I'd be asking them questions to clarify their thinking and, and I guess from you from psychotherapy you're often trying to really clarify the problem but that's not our job and that's why it's so beautiful to both on both sides of the thinking pit stops so let's just think about it then so what have some of the benefits been for you if you look back over the last 18 months what would you say some of the benefits of having these regular thinking pit stops have been for you yeah so how long have we got? Um, so I would say 
the yeah one of the main things for me has been uh we do a lot of thinking on our own don't we you know so <laughs> we're thinking all the time and when we are thinking out loud with other people in normal life and even in therapy as well you know you get other people's opinions that dumped on you you get inter- you get interrupted you know or people get impatient and they you know they, they're listening but then they are telling you what they think about and what's happened to them and, and all of that and, and also even in therapy there is like an agenda there that we need to reduce symptoms that we need to resolve problems you know so yeah so it's quite different so one of the main benefits for me has been you know being able to think whatever can be allowing my brain to come up with whatever thought it doesn't really matter you know there is no and being able to set those thoughts out loud you know or writing them down or and getting you, again, getting your full attention, doing that with another human being who's there listening to me in this sort of interpersonal space, and for and knowing, it's, it's absolute psychological safety, knowing that I'm not going to get any judgment from you, that it doesn't matter what you think about my thoughts, you know, you're allowed your thoughts, but those will be your thoughts. So... By doing this every other week, you know, it's almost like that's the main benefit is I have right to my own thinking. Those beliefs that have developed, my thinking matters. And it's okay for me to allow myself to, you know, allow my brain to come up with whatever it needs to come up with. Um, Yeah, so that's the main one. And then as I said, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to sort of say that I think hearing you say that is that you feel like the psychological safety that you feel very safe in that because you know I'm not trying to diagnose something or or you know decide what to prescribe or anything like that and I think it just made me recognize actually how it helps us as the space holder to be present yeah and you know for many of us when we think about emotional well-being I was going to ask you the next question you know, how does this help our emotional well-being but for many of us our emotional well-being is because we're not present we're caught up with stories in the past and we're worried about the future so yeah, I actually find I get a lot of benefit just from sort of practicing being present with you if that makes sense when I'm listening as well but let's think about it that way what are some of the benefits or how does this tie in with emotional well-being what would you say yeah I guess it's uh yeah one of the Big things for me has been by allowing, by knowing that this space is coming as well, it's helped me recognize what in those two weeks is coming up for me. And we talked, we talked about things that came up for me personally. I, I don't mind giving examples is boundaries, you know, those interpersonal boundaries or uh, assertiveness, becoming more assertive. And so I've noticed by this process of allowing myself to honor my own thoughts and my own opinions. I've been able to be a lot more assertive when I'm out in the world, when I'm uh, at home with my partner, when I'm at work and uh, I'm in the middle of a meeting. So that has then helped me feel, you know, again, that I'm not, you know, that I can deal with things, that strength, that, that confidence that comes, that you're able to deal with life and issues and interpersonal issues particularly. And... Um, yeah, yeah, lots, lots and lots of benefits. So that's one of the main ones that's coming to me. 
Wow. I mean, that really, that really resonates for me as well. Just exactly. I'm mirroring that in terms of, because I'm having a thinking pit stop at the same time. So we take it in terms of who goes first, but then within that half hour, because there's the, the time we swap over and exactly that. Sometimes I, I know exactly what I'm going to bring, but other times I think I know what I'm going to think about. And then actually I think, oh, no, this thought's really predominant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we were talking before weren't we about overwhelm and I I really recognize that you know I've gone through periods of feeling very overwhelmed at times in the last sort of couple of years and I think for me having this space I have sometimes thought oh I don't have time for thinking pit stop but when I've caught myself thinking that I thought well that means I really need to have the space yeah help with that overwhelm what what are your thoughts in terms of um because obviously from your work as well you see probably overwhelm quite a bit I don't know just just speak into that a little bit Yes, I think overwhelm is something that we can, you know, at the moment, I think I see it everywhere. My patients might be overwhelmed by their, by their symptoms, by their life, by colleagues overwhelmed because, you know, we, we our services are very pressured, you know, there's a lot of pressure on us. Uh, friends, family, you know, children, parents, other parents, you can see overwhelm is everywhere. And one of the, um, yeah, so there are lots of techniques, I guess, you know, lots of tools and lots of techniques out there. We have CBT techniques, you know, we have uh, so many things out there to, to help with, uh, with that, um, overwhelm. But one of the things that's linking it back to the, to the thinking pissed up and answering as well, like another benefit that I, I really want to talk about is how the, the thinking pieces that we've been doing together, but I've also been offering thinking pieces to, to colleagues frequently, maybe more on a, a once a month uh, basis to, to a few colleagues. And is this connection that we are all feeling through this process and that human connection. And I think tying to the overwhelm, I think we live in such isolated and probably post-COVID time. We are all working from home, on our own, in front of the computer, or we are generally, you know, like doing life as if we have to fix all of our problems on our own, or we don't feel safe. This is the psychological safety again, that we don't feel safe to tell people how we are feeling, and we don't feel safe to ask people for help, and we are living in these very individualistic societies at the moment, where there's a lot of pressure on you, you know, we are parents, we are, we are workers, we are daughters, we are wives, husbands, you know, we, we have so many roles and we don't have that community, that village, you know, we don't live life now, you know, and we don't have the village to help us go through life. And one of the, yeah, so one of the beauties of the thinking pieces has been the level of connection I feel with you, the level of connection I feel with Andrew, the level of connection I feel with the, my gorgeous, gorgeous colleagues who allow me to, to you know, to go through this process with, with them. And that in itself is just so healing, I think. That's a really itself. good point, isn't it, about the shift in connection, I think, you know, through in the digital era as well, we can seem to be connected, but actually what our neurology needs and what our emotional state needs is that real connection, isn't it? And, and of, of course, you know, we're all different in our needs, but there is something that's so precious. And I think that's what Thinking Pit Stop does is that gift of listening, isn't it? And that gift of undivided attention and the time to think that really helps both reduce that sense of overwhelm, but also builds that connection. And I think that's, it's so precious, isn't it? It's so precious. So, I don't know, have you got any other, any sort of else that you sort of think might be useful for, for listeners to be 
Aware. So, so if people are healthcare professionals, then you know, they could potentially train in thinking pit stops. If you're interested, feel free to email the podcast and um, Andrew will be able to get in touch with you and, and tell you about any training that might be um, coming up. I don't know. Is there anything else? What, what else would you like to say in terms of the thinking pit stops or overwhelm or... Yes, I think just inviting any, you know, like any, maybe particularly the, the, the healthcare providers as well to, to, it seems like, oh, another thing, you know, another thing, but uh, really to get curious about it, to get in touch with us, you know, if they want to know more. And just to book sessions, you know, just to book session. If you are in your service, you know of anyone who's given thinking pit stops, you know, anyone who knows me, if they're listening, just get in touch and have a go. Because as, you know, Charo says as well, and Andrew, they, they will say that it's really difficult thing to explain. Probably people don't get a flavor of what it is by listening to the, this podcast. It's, you have to experience it. It's a very process-based uh, intervention, isn't it? So there, it's about experiencing it. And, and if it's not this, something else, anything else, just, you know, there are so many things out there as well that can be really helpful. We're all human, maybe a little bit overwhelmed, we're all human, just because we're a healthcare provider, you know, particularly healthcare providers. Uh, the pressure on us is incredible. We have real lives, life happens to us too. We are dealing with real problems when we are not at work and then we have to come at work. And then we have to be there the best we can for other people. And, and, and again, we carry a lot. We carry a lot, don't we? A lot of responsibility on our, on our shoulders. So it's okay to feel overwhelmed. You probably are, and that's okay. And you are not alone. Um, and, and it's, so it's that, I think that's what I want to do is that per, giving permission, you know, like it's okay for you to feel overwhelmed and to, um, try to do something like in this soap or anything else that comes your way to, that's going to help you do life after it easier. I think that's a really good point, isn't it? Giving ourselves permission to take time. So whether it looks like getting involved with thinking pit stops, if that's something that you can do, but also just thinking, you know, how you can take time for yourself. You know, all of us need that thinking time, whether we're internal processes, you know, whether we process things by thinking them through, or whether we're processes who process by talking things through, we all need that time to think. The name of Nancy Klein's book, isn't it? It comes back down to that. And but often in our busy, busy lives, we don't we don't give ourselves that time to think. So I guess one of my questions to the listeners is, you know, what what could create some time to think for you? Is that time by yourself, maybe writing out some thoughts? Is that time just walking in nature that just helps you to, to just to slow down? Um, or would it be finding a friend? You know, it doesn't have to be someone trained at thinking pit stops, but just finding a friend who would, you could just say, I just, I don't need you to fix my problem. I just need you to listen. Um, and you know, someone who would just create that, that sense of psychological safety for you, where you could just talk and you might say, can I just do talk for, for, for 10 minutes and not wanting that person to fix it for you, but can be so helpful. And then you can say, you know, your turn now. You talk to me for 10 minutes. And I, and I quite often do that with friends. I do walk and talk. Um, sometimes across the lunch hour, I've got a dog and I go out for a walk and I'll say to a friend, you know, catch up. And we have probably, you know, shared time that we, and it's not a formal, um, structured session in the same way that you and I do, but it's another way of just having that shared listening. We know we don't have to solve each other's problems. So there's something about reflecting each other on, for ourselves, isn't it? And looking at what we can do for ourselves. But, what can we do for each other as well? Absolutely. As we come to wrap up, and this has been really helpful. Have you got um, a couple of, so what's your top three things for, for listeners? If anyone is struggling with overwhelm or um, any of the things we've sort of just touched on, what, what might be some of your top three tips? 
Yes. So for me, again, this is very, very personal. And what works for one person absolutely doesn't work for the other. So I guess the first thing I would say for everybody is just listen to your, to your body. Listen to your body. If you're not feeling right, something's not right. It can be something outside you. It can be a problem in your life, but it can also be something inside you. You know, you're not coping. Things are too much. So just listen, you know, listen to your body. And it's okay not to be okay. It is okay not to be okay. In fact, I guarantee that you're not going to be feeling okay at least once a day, every day for the rest of your life. You know, just almost expect it, that you're not going to be okay, you know. And sometimes we, we talk to patients like that as well. You're going to be relaxing constantly. How are you going to respond to it? What are you going to do? So that's the first one. It's just listen to your body. If you're not okay, that's fine. Your body is letting you know that something is not quite right. And then just be very, very experimental and, again, very open to what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So swimming for me is my absolute mental health and I that's my, you know, like I go back into the womb if, if you will, when I so soothing for me. For some of us, they would absolutely hate it. That's absolutely fine. Find what works for you. Again, listen to your body and... Some people are going to be really helpful to you. Other people are going to be the worst possible people to talk to, you know, if you have a problem. So just, again, listen to your body, you know, and do what, and do what, do more of what works and do less of what doesn't work. Yeah, so helpful. That I like that. Sort of, just experimenting, isn't it? So I think that's part of getting to know ourselves. And we talked about raising our awareness is trying out different things, different ways of showing up, I suppose, like with, with others, but also for ourselves and just seeing what helps our emotional well-being. At different seasons in our lives, we need different approaches as well, don't we? It's been yeah. great to chat to you. I'd love to have oh. you back on the show to, you know, to think about some of the, you know, deeper into these areas of anxiety, but also emotional yeah. well-being, because I know you've got a lot of wisdom in, in that area. Thank oh. you so much for joining us and thank you for the thinking pit stops that we've shared. I'm just looking forward to the future ones that we share. So if any of you, as I said, are interested in, in this, you want to find out more, do um do contact the the podcast and we'll um get back in touch with you if we can. And but also if you search thinking pit stops in Somerset, you'll probably find some information for healthcare professionals. Those of you who are not healthcare professionals, just take away from this anything that's useful for you in terms of just creating that space for yourself and maybe for a friend as well. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast hosted by our team of doctors from NHS Somerset, including Dr. Andrew Tresida, Dr. Peter Bagshaw, and Dr. Sarah Cooper. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.